<laughs> um, okay, so uh, just a few, we're going to be spending some time in prayer after service this morning, okay, I want to just give you a little bit of a glimpse into some of the things that we're going to be praying for, all right, the um, scripture encourages those of us who trust in Jesus, who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, the the healing presence and balm of God um, to lay our hands on those who are sick, who are hurting, who are ill, and uh, proclaim healing on them in Jesus' name. So when, I'll tell you that when we know, when I know, that, there, that if you are sick or you are hurting, you're going into surgery or anything like that, uh, we want to pray for you. We want to we be able to lay hands on you and pray for you and agree uh, with one another and with the Lord for your healing and for your safety during whatever it is that you have going on. Uh, one of the, the only class that I failed in seminary was mind reading 101. Um, and so as long as I know that there is something going on in your life that you need or want prayer for, I, we, will, we will pray for you until um, we experience we, we see healing in your life, okay? Um, so we just need to know that. Um, so I think many of you probably know that one of our staff members, Stacy, is going to be going in for surgery on, um, God willing, April the 30th um, to deal with breast cancer. And so we are going to be praying for her after the service today. And so if you'd like to stick around and pray with us for her, that would be great. We'll meet right up here after service. Also... Um, Wanted to let you know that I will be here next week, okay, on the 25th, but then after that, I'm going to be gone for about three weeks um, as my wife is going in for some surgery and will be out of commission for quite a while, and so I'll be home um, caring for her and the kids and the house and stuff like that. So when you don't see me for a number of weeks... Um, Know that it was planned. Do not be alarmed. There will be, uh, there will be faithful people here bringing the word for you, uh, as well as um, serving in ministry. And I will, I will be home and I will be around, but just won't be here on Sundays for, um, for a few weeks. And my wife will be here next week, the day before her surgery, and we uh, have a chance to pray for her and pray over her as well. So um, if you, again, if you are experiencing pain, um, sickness, you need healing. It doesn't just have to be physical <laughs> as well. Emotional, mental, um, spiritual. You need prayed for, you want prayed over. You don't know even what to pray, but you trust that God knows exactly what you need when you need it. Um, I'll remind us at the end of the service, but we're just going to be praying up here afterwards. So please, uh, please plan to join us up here afterwards for that. Um, Okay, so uh, last week I told you that we were going to be going into the book of Acts and talking uh, even these next few weeks kind of specifically about the Holy Spirit as, a, as a, um, the natural progression of the ministry of Jesus before he went to the cross and died and then was resurrected and ascended into heaven, but then afterwards, right? Because what Jesus did in those last, um, in those last weeks and months of ministry was tell his disciples, this is what's going to happen. 
This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And then in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, the Gospel of John, he tells them, hey, but don't, don't fear, don't worry, don't let anxiety come, you know, like control you. My, my Father is going to send the Comforter, the Counselor, and who he later says in verse or in chapter 16, verse 28, who is the Holy Spirit to be with you and to live in you. And so Jesus says, hey, I'm leaving, but the Father is sending his Spirit, not just to like walk alongside you and teach you, but to literally live inside of you. Right? And even despite the promise of Jesus, the disciples were kind of wigged out about the whole idea about Jesus leaving, right? Um, so uh, what happens then following Jesus actually ascending back into heaven after his resurrection and leaving is the promise gets fulfilled, right? The promise of the Holy Spirit being sent from the Father gets fulfilled. And I think probably similar to you and I is that when... Maybe when we know that the Father is promising us something, when, when God is, has promised something to us, we, we kind of believe that it's going to look a certain way, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to look like this. It's going to sound like this. It's going to feel like this. Life is going to be like this, right? All they got to do is, like, hold on to the promise of God in my life, and then the results of that are going to be really, really typical. They're going to look kind of exactly how I've imagined it in my in my mind, right? Well, what often happens in my life, I don't know about yours, is that I, I have this picture of what the promise of God, the fulfillment of the promise of God is going to look like in my life. When it actually comes, there are, there are remnants of my imagination, but it is certainly much different than what I had imagined. And that's usually because when we, when we imagine the goodness of God in our lives, we think so small. But the reality of God's goodness in our lives is so much larger than we imagine. Right? Our, our faith is small in comparison to the favor of God. Um, and, so, and so certainly when the Holy Spirit is given to the disciples or the believers, um, it looks a lot different than they I'm anticipating imagined that it would. Um, now, I'll, I'll say a few, like, qualifications for the next few weeks is this, is that often um, preachers and, um, well, all of us alike, when we, we hear, okay, there's going to be a sermon on X, Y, or Z, we have this tendency to feel like, well, in the next two weeks or the next week, this, this, this sermon right here, I'm going to pack absolutely every bit of um, insight, knowledge, scripture, information about, for instance, the Holy Spirit, as there is to know, right? And so you might walk away saying, well, he didn't talk about this, and he didn't talk about that, and he didn't talk about that, and he didn't talk about that. Correct. I did not. Because it is, it's really impossible to completely, right, hit every single angle and theological tributary and belief and application in one sermon unless you want to be here until the evening, right? And even then, right, 
to say that there is somehow a way to speak or to like to put guardrails around the communication of like absolutely every aspect of the life and the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit seems a little prideful even in itself, right? There's just like there's just no way we're gonna we're gonna get there. Okay, there's no way um, it's gonna happen. It would be like me standing up and saying, Okay, here is my sermon on God. Okay. And then in a forty five minute time period preaching a whole sermon on God and then that never being like that that being the that being the end. That's all that's it. There you go. Forty five minutes, you got it all. Right? I will tell you this though. Um, there is I think a lot of, um, and I say this, I hold this gently, I say this gently, um, a lot of misunderstanding about the nature of the Holy Spirit, about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, about the, the purpose and power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and I don't, um, I don't propose to give you any opinion or perspective that we cannot ground and root solidly in Scripture. And I, my, my, my plan is to just go over Scripture with you and to show you what's there and to, you can see what I see and we can talk about what we, what we know and we can talk about what we don't know and then we can ask the Holy Spirit um, to reveal the truth of himself to you and I. Uh, because that's really the key, um, the key in, in, in all revelation from God is taking his revealed word, his written word, right, and asking him through his Holy Spirit to, to speak the truth of his revealed word into our hearts so that we can see it for what it is and that we would, um, that we would, that we would receive it by faith, okay? Um, you know, when you and I, when you and I talk about experiences that we have had with God, okay, when we maybe use that, that term or that word maybe during worship or maybe on a retreat or maybe in a time of prayer or uh, maybe you had this experience or that experience where you were maybe overwhelmed with the power and presence of God in your midst right there in that moment, it affected your emotions even, right? Maybe it came upon you physically even where you could literally, as you would say, feel God there with you in that moment, moving in your heart, moving in your life. Every single one of us who has had uh, an experience where we can say we've had an, a moment with God, you have had a moment with the Holy Spirit, okay? When... When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he left the earth, okay? The Bible is very clear that when Jesus left the earth, that he was to go back to heaven. He's seated even right now at this very moment at the right hand of God the Father, and that he would tell the Father to send the Holy Spirit, right, to live with us, to walk with us, and live in us. So when you and I post-Jesus ascension, has an experience with God. We're not having an experience with Jesus. We're not having an experience with the Father. We are, by every theological right, having an experience with the Holy Spirit of God. 
It is the Holy Spirit of God that moves upon us. It is the Holy Spirit of God that convicts us of sin and guilt. It is the Holy Spirit of God that reveals the truth of God's word to us. It is the Holy Spirit of God that sheds the love of God abroad in your hearts. When you feel God, you are feeling the Holy Spirit, if I can use that terminology and hold it pretty loosely. It's interesting that the disciples had a kind of first-hand experience or exposure with both the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. Like, they're the only people that have, right? They literally walked with Jesus in life, and then when Jesus ascended and the Father sent the Holy Spirit, then they had an experience, a real, a real experience with the Holy Spirit. Lucky guys and gals they are. But they had heard about the Holy Spirit from Jesus, but hadn't fully experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus left and sent it. And so you, we would, it would seem to make sense that their experience with the Holy Spirit would be different in some instances than you and I. Next week, we're going to be talking um, out of the book of Acts about the first time that the Holy Spirit was um, really poured out on people who expressed faith in Jesus after he ascended into heaven. So it's like the, it's the picture or the instance where the fulfillment of the promise for the Holy Spirit coming happened and was recorded call that the day of Pentecost, and we're going to talk about all about that next week. This week, my intention is to give us maybe a little bit broader of a view of what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in some places, um, and then what began to happen in the beginning of the book of Acts as the promise of the Holy Spirit coming was fulfilled, okay? Are you with me? Okay. Feel like I'm in a straitjacket right now because I got a hold on to this stupid mic. Um, I don't hate the player, hate the game. All right, okay. So it's probably more distracting than it is anything, right? Okay. All right. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, um, there are some in the seats for you. We'll also have it up on the screen behind you. You can get on an app on your phone and find the Bible there. If you do not, if you don't have a Bible because you do not own a Bible and you would like to own your own Bible, I would love to give you one. And we have uh, we have some Bibles available for you if you would like to have your very own. Um, just see me after service, and I'll make sure you can take it home with you. Okay, so John chapter 14 is uh, one of the accounts of um, one of the men that was with Jesus in his ministry, and he was recording here in John chapter 14, Jesus talking to his disciples in the midst of or in the um, period of time right before he was um, 
he was to be arrested. And in the beginning of John chapter 14, the, the disciples are freaking out, right? Because Jesus had told them that he was leaving. Um, so, for instance, in John chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I am going. Um, in my Father's house there are many rooms, right? Um, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He's encouraging his disciples. He's giving them hope and faith in the midst of what will be their loss at his leaving. But then later on, uh, beginning in verse 15 of John chapter 14, he begins to tell them why it's actually going to be good that he leaves. Because the Holy Spirit is coming. Okay? And uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of John chapter 14 for us right now. This is Jesus' words. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live in you, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Judah. Um, Jump down to verse 25. All of this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Um. He takes a little bit of a break of speaking um, directly about the Holy Spirit, and we go over to chapter 16, just just one chapter over. Looking at verse 5 and following. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. Listen, I tell you the truth. It is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because... Men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, part of, sometimes part of the difficulty 
is reconciling the many ways that the Spirit is spoken of in Scripture. Okay? So in one instance, you have Jesus just saying flat out the Holy Spirit. In another instance, you have Jesus saying the Counselor. Uh, In other instances, you have some of your translations might be the Comforter. In other instances, you may have Jesus talking about the Spirit of Truth, all right? And so you have all of these varied ways that the Holy Spirit is referred to just in the span of a few chapters of one gospel. And it can become like kind of trying to connect the dots around about like, okay, what is, what's actually happening here? Well, uh, for, sake of, for sake of simplicity, understand that even though Jesus uses sometimes different words and phrases to refer to the Holy Spirit, he is speaking about the Holy Spirit the, in, the entire time. We, we know this, for instance, um, like we read in chapter 14, verse 26, that Jesus refers to, but the counselor, and then there's this little qualification, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So he's like, okay, the counselor is coming, but he's, he's just, just pretend I said the Holy Spirit, right? The counselor, who is the Holy Spirit, is coming and will who and is being sent in the name of the Father. So here's a few things that we're going to uh, we're going to pull out of what Jesus said here in these few chapters about the Holy Spirit, okay? Number 1 is this is that it is the Father, God the Father, who sends the Holy Spirit after Jesus the Son ascends back into heaven. Now, you're thinking like, well, that is awfully confusing, and why do I need to know that? Well, it is a little confusing. I fully will admit that. Part of what we believe as Christian people is that um, God is God is Trinity. And we see all throughout the Scripture that, that God, is, God is spoken of and appears and is incarnated um, as a Father, as the Son Jesus, as um, the Holy Spirit who comes to give comfort and power and presence and reveal truth. It is one instance here where we see that um, that there are, um, for lack of a better term, lines of separation or demarcation between God the Father, who is spoken of here, right? The Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is spoken of as has being sent, and then who is actually saying the words? Jesus the Son, right? So Jesus the Son is saying that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. We get, these, we get this picture of like three distinct gods, all, not three distinct gods, three, this, a distinction within, um, within unity, it's an important theological belief for Christians that our God is Trinity and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He goes on there to say in John chapter 14, uh, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. 
perhaps um, one of the most significant beliefs or understandings about the Holy Spirit is that when God sends his spirit to be, like when, when God sends his spirit, he's not sending it to just be like, um, to be alongside of you, to be in front of you, to be in high, behind of you and pushing you along. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit is one that indwells the lives of every single believer. That, that God's presence actually takes up residence in your body, in who you are. And not only that, he says in verse 18, um, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That, that the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is not something that you as a believer will ever be without. That when God gives you his spirit, he gives forever. And he gives for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. I'm going to pause for a second. Because um, I'm feeling a little something right now. Benny, I wonder if you would pray for us just right now. Okay. God, your presence through your Holy Spirit is welcomed in this room right now. We invite you. We remove any, any, any signs of, of doubt, any signs of, of darkness, and we welcome the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Come, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I anoint you, Cameron. <laughs> May his power flow out of you. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. For this world needs you we need you to love people completely the healing and restoration can first come into our families (laughs) healing and restoration can come to our church our communities in this in the world thank you for this moment we praise you for your goodness in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Sometimes I just feel like we're just walking along there, right? Walking along and then feel like we just hit a, I hit like a spiritual brick wall, right? Like just this emotional moment of that we couldn't get past. And I'm not surprised, right? We shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be surprised at that. When we, when we talk about um, the power and the presence of God being poured out on those who believe in him and receive him by faith, right? 
um, it is a, um, uh, the, the reality is, is that w- the enemy of our souls, um, the enemy of Jesus does, will do absolutely everything that they, he possibly can to frustrate, discourage, block, chase away with fear, uh, the proclamation of the power of God as well as the presence and power of God in reality. And I just kind of felt like in that moment, like, like there was a hard, a hard wall that I was not being able to, to break through there. Um, so thank you, Benny, for doing that. The reality is, is that the enemy of our souls does not want us to experience the power of God. Does not want us to have freedom over sin. Does not want us to have um, freedom over uh, harmful, addictive patterns of thought and behavior. Um, Wants to keep us in fear. Wants to keep us in anxiety. Wants to keep us depressed wants to keep us um, doubtful of God's goodness in our lives. And I've I got to be honest with you, I've, just, I've walked with Jesus long enough to be tired of um, not receiving the full power of the Holy Spirit. I just have. I just don't have time. I don't have time for it anymore, right? I just don't have time anymore to um, allow the schemes of the enemy to chase me away from the promises of God. And the promise of God through Jesus Christ in the Scripture is that, is that when, when you believe by faith in me, Jesus says, that, that I will go to my Father and I will send the Holy Spirit to you, Right? And, and the promise here from Jesus is that, is not that the Holy Spirit would be some, some like, um, way separated from you, God, right? Impersonal, just an idea, someone you study, right, and get to know. But that the, that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the, the actual presence and power of God that lives in you. Paul says that, that the very spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that will give life to your mortal bodies. That is a promise of God for the power of God to reside in you. And there is nothing more than the enemy would like than for you to come to a place of being like, ah, I don't think so. Powerless, living, separated from the Holy Spirit. I want you to experience that. I want to experience that. I believe, I believe that, that God wants nothing more than to, than to break loose the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, in, in my life, in, in this city, in his church. And so these disciples, as he's teaching that, as Jesus is like giving them a little bit of 
a little bit of like insight into who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit will be doing in their lives and in 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 as the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I just want to be sensitive to where the enemy is trying to shut my mouth and close your ears. Um, so, forgive me if I f- if it if this seems a little disjointed because it feels a little disjointed right now. But we're going to persevere through this because I believe that the the enemy is working, the spirit is working harder, okay? Uh, um, So John chapter 14, Jesus continues to talk about the Holy Spirit to his disciples, and he says this, we've already, we already read it, but we're going to read it again in John chapter uh, 14, verses 25 and 26. All of this I have spoken while still with you. Jesus says, hey, I'm still here, right? I'm telling you all of these things. I'm right here with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Then we go over to John chapter 16, verse 8. And the same thing essentially happens. Jesus says, um, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, that is, the counselor, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. There is, um, there is kind of two separate things that Jesus says here about the ministry of the Holy Spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit that kind of go hand in hand, and I want us to try and understand them together. And it's this. Uh, you know, when we said at the beginning that every experience that you and I have had with God and our experiences with God has actually been, we use the term God, right, has actually been with the ministry of the Holy Spirit on our lives, right? Post-ascension of Jesus, all Holy Spirit for you and I. Okay, And so when you come to this place in your life, in your heart, well, maybe you're reading the scripture, you're doing your devotion in the morning, you're, you're asking, maybe, maybe you feel far from God and you don't ever read your Bible and you don't ever spend any quiet time with him, or, um, or you, you just feel like your relationship with God is minimal and small and just not not vibrant, but then you, you come into this, in this really clear moment where, um, where, like, the truth of God comes strong in your heart, comes strong into your life, and you're like, and it hits you deep down in your heart where, like, how about this? When you've been reading your Bible ever, reading a devotion, do you ever feel like, well, like, geez, that was written exactly for me? Or, or you have ever been sitting in a church and you've been, and someone's been preaching and, and someone, and it's like, um, like, wow, did he, did, did they write that sermon, preach that sermon for me? Like, was he, was he reading my diary this week? Did he, Listening in on my conversations, reading my text messages, anything, anything like that. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a coincidence, right? God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, right, is taking the truth of God and speaking that into your heart and, 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 and ministering to your heart. And in, in, in many times, it's in, it's in those moments where 
we, we recognize and come to a realization of our own, of our own sinfulness, of our own disunity with the Spirit of God. And it says that the Holy, the, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God in your heart and convicts you and the world of guilt and of sin. And so a, an absolute like specific aspect to the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world and you of sin to guide you into the truth of God's word, to teach you and remind you of the truth of God's word. So Jesus speaks on the Holy Spirit in many places, uh, not least of which the end of the Gospel of John here. But like we've said, you know, in keeping with the progression of the ministry of Jesus, we came to the book of Acts where Jesus was ascended back into heaven, and now it's this moment of fulfillment of the Holy Spirit coming. So we're in um, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus had been crucified. He... Um, resurrected from the dead. He's now appearing to his disciples in his resurrected body. And now he is giving them these like last instructions. Remember how last week we talked about how important it is to understand a person's last words, right? And how significant those can often be, someone's last words. Well, Jesus essentially gives the disciples his last words and tells them, okay, guys, listen up. I'm leaving now. My last words. Here they come. Um, don't leave Jerusalem. Okay? Instructions. Don't leave Jerusalem yet. I want you to wait uh, for the gift of my Father, which we've, I've promised you, right? This is the, the promised gift, which you've, you've heard me tell you about. A lot. Remember, I've talked about this, right? Um... John baptized with water. You remember him way back then, right? But in a, in a few days, you, you then are going to be baptized, not with water like John baptized with, but you're going to be baptized with something different. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? We said disciples probably had this idea of what it meant, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I, yeah, got it. Okay. Holy Spirit. Right. 
Um, and then they had this question for Jesus, right? Uh, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, is, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, Jesus is, he's back from the dead, and the king is here, and like, oh, this, this, must, this must be what Jesus is talking about. He's going to, like, restore the kingdom of Israel. Like, no longer is Israel going to be under the boot of the Roman government, but now we're going to, like, be our own kingdom once again, thinking that must be what the power of the Holy Spirit is that, that um, Jesus is, is talking about here. Yeah, power, I got it. And he said to them, hey, look, 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 it's not for you to know the times, the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What do we see here from this is instance of Jesus promising the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit? Number one, Notice what Jesus says in verse 4. He tells the disciples to wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. There's this kind of unsaid understanding that, um, that the the movement of God in, in my life and in your life um, is always on our timetable, right? Like I need, when I need God to show up, I need him to show up right now. And when I need God to move, I need him to move right now. And, um, and, and I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have time to wait. And um, I don't think God understands how busy I am. I don't think God understands how desperate I am. How about that? I don't think God understands how broken I am. I don't think God understands how much I need him. I need something right here, um, right now, in this moment. And I got to imagine that the disciples hiding in that upper room after Jesus had been, um, had been killed, um, probably had their own idea and motivations and, like, timetable about what was to happen next. I mean, we got to get out of here. We got we to do something. We can't just stay holed up in this room all the time. We can't just be doing X, Y, or Z. We got to go, right? And the words of Jesus were instructive to the disciples that, listen, the, the timing of God— and um, in the plan of God, do not always mesh up or line up with what the timetable of you and I or the plan of you and I. Just sit for a hot second and wait because the movement of God's Spirit in your life, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is always perfectly on time. It's always perfectly on time. And what God is doing in the moments where you think he's not acting is preparing you to receive what he wants to do, what he needs to do in your life. God is consistently um, molding you, shaping you, refining you, so that when he comes with power upon your life, 
You are at a place of faith to receive it in such a way that you can move forward. Jesus also says here in the same in the same um, uh, in the same verse here, Acts chapter one verse four, that we we should wait for the movement of God, but two, understand that the holy that that the Holy Spirit is a gift of God to you. We often, I think, kind of unfortunately, talk about or speak about God, or speak about the Holy Spirit as if he's like, um, I mean, God the Father, yeah, super cool. Jesus, he's like the center of it all, right? The Holy Spirit is like, he's kind of like the weird uncle, right? Like, love to see him at the family reunions, but sometimes acts a little strange, don't always understand him, but yeah, part of the family nonetheless, right? Just me? Just, just me? No, not, okay. So like, well like sometimes we kind of feel like there's this like this weird separation in the life of God where God the Father, great. God the Son, Jesus, even better. God the Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, he's pretty cool. A little unpredictable at times. Uh, sometimes weird, uh, makes me do and say things that I normally wouldn't do and say, but nonetheless, okay, well, the way that Jesus describes um, the Holy Spirit to the disciples is, is a gift that God <laughs> desires to give every single one of you. And what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11 is that, um, is, is this, he's, he talks, he's talking about giving gifts, right? He was like, you and I, though you are, though you and I are evil, do you know how to give a good gift to your son, to your daughter? You know how to give something good, right? So, so how much more, how much more does the heavenly father know how to give something good when he gives you the Holy Spirit? Oh, that's Jesus that tells that story. The Holy Spirit is a, is a gift, the, 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 the gift of God's presence alongside of you and in you. And then he says these words in, John, or in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you've heard these phrases maybe in your walk with God. Maybe you haven't, okay? Um, you've heard these phrases in church. How about this? Being baptized with the Holy Spirit? Yes? Heard it? Be uh, received the Holy Spirit? Have you heard that? Yes? How about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you heard that? Yeah? Okay, so what's the difference? It's <laughs> a good question, right? Sometimes we use those terms interchangeably with each other um, and sometimes that's appropriate and other times it's not we're going to do just a little brief like like defining and delineating between baptizing receiving and being filled okay so when jesus is talking here about 
them being baptized, he's talking about them in the same way that he would talk about them receiving the Holy Spirit. Being, being baptized here is that, that initial pouring out of the Spirit done in sometimes very dramatic fashion to fulfill the promise of Jesus for the coming Holy Spirit. It is that, it is that moment where, where the promise of Jesus is fulfilled in your life to receive the Holy Spirit um, upon the moment of salvation. It happens, one, the, you, are, you are baptized and you receive the Holy Spirit, listen, once in your life. And that's when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. You are filled with the Holy Spirit numerous times, again and again and again and again, in the moments where the Holy Spirit comes upon you either in boldness or in confidence to share the word or to share your testimony or to pray over someone or in a in a like a charismatic movement of the spirit we are baptized or receive the holy spirit once in our faith we are filled with the holy spirit many 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 times in our lives here's a here's a for instance okay two were one for instance in acts in the beginning of acts and in pentecost right which we're going to talk about next week peter was there and was filled with the Holy Spirit, or baptized by the Holy Spirit. Would you agree that Peter was there at Pentecost, received the Holy Spirit, was baptized and received the Holy Spirit in that moment? Well, it later says in Acts chapter 4 that as Peter was standing before the Sanhedrin, right, getting ready to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jewish um, Jewish like high priests and religious ruling class, that at that moment, overcome with power from the Lord, he was essentially once again filled with the Holy Spirit so as to speak confidently and boldly the things of God before, the before his accusers. It says they seized Peter and John. They put them into jail. The next day they, they brought him out in verse 6. Um, of Acts chapter 4, they, they marched him in front of all the religious um, rulers and leaders, and then they asked him this question, by what power or by what name did you heal that man at the gate? They wanted to know, hey, listen, you healed this guy? We want to know what power or by what name did you have the authority or could you possibly do that? And then it says in verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking to them. And then you see, like, classic preacher, right? Just, I mean, he just goes like a bat out of heaven, right? Right? Like a bat out of heaven, he, pre he brings down the house on the Jewish leaders and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah, that in him is forgiveness of sins, that salvation is found in no other name than, than in the name of Jesus. You just see this upwelling of confidence and power come out of Peter, 
And it says that he was in that moment filled with the power and presence of the Spirit. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, says this about baptizing verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1, he says, You and you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. He's talking about the moment you are saved, right? You You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. He's talking about the moment of salvation. And then he says this, Having believed... You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And so what Paul says is that when you, when you are baptized or receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation when you are made new in Christ receive the word of Christ the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and at that very moment the Holy Spirit is given to you as a deposit or as a seal guaranteeing your redemption and your inheritance when Jesus returns so if you have given your life to Jesus and you have asked him to be your Lord and you have asked him to be your Savior and you have surrendered your will to him. But you're saying, you're saying like, like look, I, I really need you, I really need to receive, I really need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Listen, by faith understand that when you were included in Christ and your salvation that God did not withhold his Spirit from you to try and get you to ask for more. That when God gives you himself in Jesus, he gives you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you because it is the Holy Spirit who lives and moves to convict you of sin, to reveal the truth of God in your life. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, you are, you are anchored in the salvation of God. Well, I know that I, I know that I'm saved, but I don't know if I'm baptized in the Spirit. Like, listen, it's a, it's a, it's a um, confusion of terms and distinctions. Okay, if you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, and there are many times in your life, in your life, from there on out, where the Holy Spirit can come upon you in power, and I guess, for lack of a better term, fill up your cup, top it off a little bit right? When you need confidence and boldness to speak on his behalf. We're going to add this and then we're going to be done, okay? Jesus adds this additional purpose to the ministry and presence of the Holy Spirit when he tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1 this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit both was and is the source of kingdom power for the mission of testifying to the resurrection of Jesus and to the forgiveness of sins. We often talk about we often talk about um, the mission of the church, right? Well, what's your church's mission statement? Okay. I understand. All right. But listen, um, it's important for us to understand this because it really does define now and then what is important for a believing community, which is us, right? And then when you... And when you come up to one of the leaders or you come up to me and you say, well, I really think we should be doing this. And I really think we should be doing this. And I really think we should be doing this. And I know those things are all very, very well intentioned. And I understand and I get it and I receive it. And I, I love God moving on your heart like that. But, but listen, the church, we don't have a mission. Okay. Um, God has a mission. <laughs> We don't have, we, we, don't, we don't put together a fancy mission statement, right? And then ask God to come and be a part of it. Like, hey God, we put together this really fancy, well-articulated plan and mission statement. We want, would you come and be a part of this and bless this thing for us? Um, it's actually, the opposite is true. Uh, God has a mission. God, had, God has determined Long, long, long ago, uh, uh, the, the mission of redeeming the world to himself through the cross of Jesus Christ, the redemption of our lives, the forgiveness of your sins, right? The, the filling of every broken and dark hole that sits in your heart, right, that sits there because of sin. Jesus took it to the cross. He filled it up with his blood, and he's going to bring wholeness into your life. He's going to bring wholeness into my life. And he's going to change homes. He's going to change churches, and he's going to change cities. The mission of God is to redeem, to bring redemption and wholeness to every single part of your life. Even the parts that you think are too far gone, are too broken, are too in the past, or are too in the future. If we continue to believe that the church has a mission that we need God to bless, we are always going to be chasing our tail. Because it is God who has a mission, and he asks the church to come and fulfill it. God has the mission, and he has a church to fulfill it. It's not the church has a mission, and we ask God to fulfill it. It's the opposite, okay? That it is, it is God's plan and God's idea, so much so that he was like, hey, listen, I will give you my Holy Spirit so that you will have the power to go out and do it. All I need for you is to go out and do it. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses testifying to the forgiveness of sins through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where? Jesus says it, right? And it's, we should not overlook this, that he says the first place that that little mission is going to happen is in Jerusalem or like right where you are in your little place, right? And then it's going to be in Judea, right? You know where Judea was? It was like the, the outer area or the outer region called the county, okay? And then it was going to be Samaria. 
You know what, where Samaria was? It's like even further out, right? Like western New York, right? East, northeastern Pennsylvania, for those of you who are with us from there, okay? And then he was like, well, I just might as well tell you, to the ends of the earth even. Like that, that, that the mission of God was to take the message of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection from the dead, the wholeness and redemption for your lives and for mine, and to start it here, and then go here, and then go here, and then go here. And so when, when questions arise, we're like, well, man, why do we do so much outreach, and why do we do so much mission? Shouldn't we really just be focusing on the people that are in our building and, like, right here in our four walls? And, like, uh, no. No, we shouldn't, actually. Um, we shouldn't. Will we take care of our people and care for them and love them and nurture you and, like, surround you with a community of support and love and grace and kindness? Absolutely. I'm not saying that we just cast people off to the side, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that the mission of God is not the preservation of the church. The mission of God is the redemption of the world. And that's the only place that he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is given to fulfill the mission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will testify to this thing. There's more there. Believe it. There's more there. Let's welcome the band back up uh, to start us back into worship. Um, I'm going to ask that you continue to you continue to pray. Like I like I said, and we had Benny pray. Like I still feel like there's this like. Anyone else feeling this, like, herky-jerk motion of, like, the Lord wants us to, like, welcome his Holy Spirit, and the enemy is, like, um, tongue-tie the words of the pastor, and we're going to make it awkward in the room, and it's going to go super long, and it's going to be kind of warm, and going to be thinking about going outside, and, like, all, all, all of this. Let me just say, <laughs> Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. And either through me, Lord, or absolutely in spite of me. Holy Spirit, would your presence be manifested in our in our lives? Would your Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, would your presence be manifested in our midst right now? Lord, come upon us in power. We do not, we do not ask for that likely, uh, lightly, Lord. We only ask, Father, that the promise of Jesus, the promise of Jesus for the, 
filling power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us, Lord, would be, would be fulfilled in our midst here this morning. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for wholeness. We pray for redemption, Lord. We pray for, we pray for Lord, for the, for the desperation, the brokenness, the hardness that is in the hearts of some of the people in this room, Lord, this morning to be broken down, Lord, and then for them to finally come to a place of opening themselves to receive Jesus as the only source for their salvation, as the only source for their hope, as the only source for their life. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall heavily upon them in such a way, Lord, that your presence cannot be denied, will not be blocked. In the name of Jesus, we pray against every distraction. In the name of Jesus, we pray against every scheme of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we pray against every fear. We pray against every anxiety. We pray against every every everything that the enemy is speaking into your life right now that says, don't do it. You're going to be embarrassed. It's not what he says he is. He doesn't actually love you. We proclaim by faith right now, by faith in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, that the love of God be shed abroad in your hearts and lives, that you would know just how fully God embraces and loves you and desires to change you, to put his spirit inside of you, to walk alongside of you and to be inside of you. In Jesus' name, amen.